You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, doing well. Nice day. Yeah. Yourself? That's good. That's good. Uh, I'm doing okay. I really don't have any complaints. Uh, it's been one of those days. I, I just, I had almost no desire to do anything today. I just wanted to be lazy. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's just one of those days. But um, okay, let, let's get right into it. So uh, I read this morning Trump's brother died. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it was Friday he died of uh, brain bleed, I believe is what the deal brain is. And bleed. no, it's not a new, yeah, it's not a new COVID related symptom or, or whatever. Apparently he had, uh, now this is CNN reporting this and this is hearsay from a friend, not really hearsay, but it's it's a friend of the family is saying this, um, that he basically was on blood thinners already and he had fallen or something and hit his head and it caused a brain bleed. And that's um, that's what caused the decline, according to uh, according to them. So I see. Yeah, sad sad ordeal. That is that is the press did um, did a pretty pretty distasteful display of uh, his passing, didn't they? Yeah, they they did a pretty disrespectful one on on that. It it was heavily politicized, and um, yeah, I'm not I'm, I, I didn't like it. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they were, I, I, I'm of the opinion that when it's uh, a death, uh, uh, whatever the cause, it, like give the family time to to grieve and whatnot. Don't immediately go into the whole political mumbo jumbo and try to bash mm-hmm. him. And uh, it's just uh, no, mm-hmm. it's distasteful. I saw that there was a uh, that there was an article that came out in the Washington Post. I didn't read it, but I understand there were some uh, some other outlets that were calling it pretty bad. You know, like they, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. Like that's how bad it was. And yeah, it, the worst part was it wasn't any um, opposing points of view saying that it was like people of their own kind, if you know what I mean. Uh, saying mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. people of the left leaning mentality, they were saying that as well, saying, uh, what is wrong with you? You know, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, that's um, that's too bad. Uh, but it just it just shows right. That kind of mentality just shows the kind of people they really are, doesn't it? That just shows who they are. It does. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is. Um, OK, so we've been wanting to talk about this for a few days and we've kind of skipped over it. But I wanted to talk about Oregon, right? The Oregon State Police are pulling out of protecting the courthouse in Portland after the uh, the city's refusing to prosecute the criminals for their behavior, which we talked about the DA out there. I think his name's uh, Schmidt. We talked about him. Mike Schmidt, I think was his name. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, we're not going to prosecute anybody for any of this stuff. Uh, we're not going to prosecute, what was it, like third degree disorderly conduct and rioting. Second degree. Se- second degree. And we're not going to prosecute mm-hmm. rioting. We're not going to prosecute uh, menacing of police officers. We're not going to prosecute uh, fleeing and eluding. We're not going to prosecute any of that. So what's the point? What's the point? If you're going to arrest those people for demonstrating that kind of lawlessness behavior and that anarchy, and yet you're going to get the cases thrown out, well, then what's the point? This is yeah. the pro- this is the There's question no, I've been no posing. 
Absolutely. Uh, this is this is the question I've been posing for a good number of months now. And I'm, I've been saying, why are the police protecting these these city officials? Why are they protecting them? Because if they're going to foster the agendas, if they're going to enable the mobs, if they're going to be in key positions like district attorneys and they're not going to prosecute the criminal behavior, well, then what are you protecting them for? What's the point? So the Oregon State Police, well, they seem to understand. They seem to get it. Uh, they're pulling out. They're not going to protect the courthouse any longer. So what's the point? I, you know, I agree with the sentiment and what they're doing there. If you guys aren't going to do it, then why should we protect you? Like, if you're not going to follow the, I mean, I know it's kind of a, a bully tactic, but at the same time, if you guys aren't willing to uphold the law, you're against the American people. <laughs> That's basically the, the gist of it. So the right course of action here is uh, law enforcement just to say, look, you you aren't going to uphold the law. All right. Well, see you later. We're We're out. Captain Timothy Fox says that we are in a county, a county, right? He says we're in a county that's not going to prosecute this criminal behavior. He said the Oregon State Police is continually reassessing our resources and the needs of our partner agencies. And at this time, we are inclined to move those resources back to counties where prosecution of criminal conduct is still a priority. I don't disagree with the guy. He's absolutely right. Yep, I, I agree. I I hate it at the same time because it's a you know uh, it's a degradation of society in those areas. But at the same time, it's it they they brought it on themselves. You know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And what of it? You know what what of it? What are they going to do? Do they have any intentions at all of restoring any kind of law and order? Well, if not, people are going to leave those areas, right? I mean, that's what they'll do. Those that can afford to leave are already leaving. You know, I heard a story a couple of days ago. Maybe you heard the same story, Bruce. There are real estate agents in rural America that are selling houses via Skype. Yeah, it's like they buy it without even seeing the place. They just buy it up. This goes to your point from yesterday. You said that... um, People that go to rural America and they buy up this property, well, that's going to, or maybe it was two days ago, I don't know. Either way, people go to rural America, they have all this money, they buy up that property. Well, that increases the value to everyone else around there. And then the Mm -hmm. ones that are native to that area, well, you can't afford anything any longer. So I get that, you know, I get the injection of new money and stuff coming in, but you're going to price all the people that have built the place out of there. So where are they supposed to go? What are they supposed to do? So people are going to leave in areas where they don't have any prosecution for criminal activity. It kind of makes me wonder what the intentions are of the people that are in these cities. I mean, we know that eventually that. See, look, I I think I think it kind of goes along with what you were saying as well. When you made that point, you said that you can't help but think that it's done intentionally to empty the cities out. Yeah. And that seems to be what's happening. If you were to look at Manhattan right now, what do you see? The place is vacant. It's vacant. You've got boarded up storefronts. The streets are empty. Like you don't see any of that stuff. And it's just it's a ghost town. Midtown Manhattan is a ghost town. If you look at any of these videos, I mean, there's there's some videos that are circulating online and it shows abandoned, boarded up. Just go down Fifth Avenue. Right. You know, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. That that kind of Fifth Avenue. Mm -hmm. If you go down through there, if you look at some of those videos, boarded up all the shops, all the storefronts and everything down through there, boarded up. The hotels are even boarded up. People are fed up with the way that the city is. They don't like it. I mean, it's just it's turning into a um, I don't know, it's turning into a uh, it's turning into a police state. The whole thing up there. Checkpoints in the cities, ten thousand dollar fines, two week quarantines. If you happen to show up nine hundred and thirty seven thousand dollars a month for rent. We heard about that one just a few minutes ago from someone else. So why would you want to keep people there? They're not really advertising that those stores are being boarded up, are they? You're not really hearing too much about that. No. What, what I'm 
curious to see and and obviously we're going to be watching this but if the city starts coming in imminent domain or buying up those properties um it, yeah I'm, I'm i'm concerned uh concerned about that one because if that's what they start doing then our suspicion of in you know intentionally doing this is going to be confirmed more or less because then they can go in and do exactly what we've been talking about with you know creating their own domiciles there that are you know having their own yeah government sanctioned stuff mhm mhm and the media like i said they're not talking about it they're, they're not they're mm-hmm. not talking about it they're not showing uh what's going on you know some people are even so, some people are even calling this a um, de blasio's beirut moment as, as in He's single-handedly wrecked the city without an explosion. You know, no disrespect to the poor people of Beirut. That was terrible. But the results here are almost the same, aren't they? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, the the entire city is just due to taxes and and mismanagement and everything. Yeah, people are leaving. Yeah, I, I could see that. And people are actually putting up, I mean, we talked about the real estate in New York, right? You're looking at around, in Manhattan, you're looking at around uh, 13,000 new apartments that are up for sale. People are leaving. People are putting out on Twitter, de Blasio has made the city worse than Dinkins, right? Dinkins was probably one of the worst mayors that the city's had in the last 50 years. De Blasio is worse than that. People are saying, I'm selling my place. I already have interest. I'm out of here. This is multiplying by the whole city. New York City's toast. I mean, that's a chain email that's going around. So it's really sad to see what's going on up there. I mean, it's, it's really sad to see that because, I mean, they want that city to tank. They want the financial hub to go down. Now, explain this to me, right? Because it doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense if you know what's happening, but it doesn't match up. It doesn't line up. And that is the city of New York emptying out. The streets are vacant and the stock market's about to, tw- about to hit 28,000. That, that's not right. That's that's not right. I'm sorry. That, that doesn't. That doesn't work. Something seems off there. Yeah, I have to agree. Well, we've mentioned it before. The stock market is in. There is inflation right now. And right now, the, the stock market is what's seeing the inflation. It hasn't really hit the average person yet. And when that bubble pops, as it keeps going up, yeah, we're going to start feeling it. Well, keep it with New York, right? I mean, it's not it's not all bad, right? I mean, some places you think are going to reopen. Isn't that kind of how it is? You, you kind of expect things to reopen. Well, bowling alleys are going to start reopening. Museums are going to start reopening. And possibly gyms. Gyms might be allowed to reopen. Although gyms, they might have a problem with. They, they could have a little bit of an issue with that. New York Governor Cuomo, you know, your favorite governor, him. Mm-hmm. He has said that gym owners are now filing a lawsuit against him for closing, for keeping them closed, for ordering them closed. A group of gym owners right throughout New York City and New York State have gotten together and hired a lawyer and they filed an injunction against Governor Cuomo and against the state government. Uh, They're saying that uh, if we beat the virus, then he shouldn't have any emergency powers. He should let businesses open and let everyone earn a living. They shouldn't have closed it to begin with. They shouldn't have closed it to be. No, that they shouldn't have. And that's actually a really good argument. If you're going to go around saying, praising that, hey, we beat it. We did it. OK, it's time to open up now. <laughs> you beat it. Did they, time to open did up. they do it? I mean, did did they beat it? Did, did they beat it? I mean, I, I don't know. You might have to listen to, to experts, maybe like this guy. But we've got to do the things that are very clear that we need to do to turn this around. Remembering we can do it. We know that when you do it properly, you bring down those cases. We've done it. We've done it in New York. New York got hit worse than any place in the world. And they did it correctly by doing the things that you're talking about. 
Mm. So, okay. They that, did it correctly. See, they did it correctly. They did it correctly. Mm -hmm. See, everything that was that mm -hmm. could have been done and that should have been done was done in New York, right? So if everyone just follows New York's example, now see, that was according to Fauci. If everyone just follows New York's example, well, then we're all going to get through this. See, I mean, you even heard him. We can do it, right? We can, we mm. can do it. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, Mr. Mr. Fauci, but I, I I have to disagree that New York did it right because I'm I'm yeah I just don't jump on board with the killing off elderly people. You know the people we were supposed to protect, the people that you said were the most vulnerable among us. I don't agree with killing them off being the the right choice, the right decision. So yeah, I have to disagree there. And gyms were originally slated to reopen along with the rest of the New York State's economy, which I don't think the economy's reopened fully. I mean, otherwise you'd have people back to business. Why is it again? Why is it we're not hearing anything about what's going on in Manhattan? Why are we not hearing about that? When the state entered the phase four, or excuse me, when the state entered into the fourth phase of its gradual reopening, but at the last minute, Cuomo decided to exclude gyms from the reopening due to concerns about the spread of the virus. So the class action lawsuit calls the order for the gyms to remain closed arbitrary, unequal and random and violated their due process rights, according to the laws of the state of New York. This is due to the fact that the health excuse me, this is due to the fact that health spas, barbershops and tattoo studios are now fully open in New York state. But gyms have been excluded. And gym owners are arguing now more than ever because, I mean, they got bills to pay. Right. I mean, they got, they, these people yeah. built businesses. They want to earn a living. They want that pursuit of happiness. You know, we talked about that yesterday. They want to mm -hmm. better the community. Mm -hmm. They want to have some dignity. That's what they want to do. They should have a right to do that. Excuse me. Well, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. Everything that is going on outside that is causing more anxiety and depression right now, right? Working out from home is just not the same. That's true. And I can vouch for that. It's not the same. I've done both. Mm. I've done both. It's just not the same. There's something about the atmosphere of being in a gym that just motivates you, right? It's just something about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I've been trying to figure it out ever since I've been going. And there's just something about it that just pushes you. And you're, you're just in a different state of mind when you're there. It's like you're you feel determined, you feel dedicated and you're focused. But when you're home, it's just like, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, that's that's kind of why I'm like I'm six to one half a dozen of the other about building my own gym. Like, I don't know if I really like I want to do that. I, I want to do that because there's I mean, I talked to you about it and there's other things that I want to do with it uh, because I think mm -hmm. we have I think we have other opportunities that we can explore with, with that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I want to get to it at some point. That's still on the on the uh, that's still on the board. But there's just something about going to a facility like that and just being in that atmosphere and having all that equipment available. It's like it's you know, I, I get that it's expensive. Right. I, I get that it's a little expensive and you have to go like you have to be dedicated if you want to go to a gym. And these people, right, that own these gyms, they just want to make that living. They want to provide a service to the community, especially now. Do you have any idea what working out does for your self-esteem? Do you have any idea what it does to help relieve yourself of anxiety, stress, depression, all, all the above? Do you have any idea what that does? And right now, people need that. People need that because what? The anxiety numbers are off the chart, right? We've, we've talked to anxiety numbers before. They're off the chart. People are depressed. They're sad. Suicides in the U.S. are through the roof. People need something. They need some form of a distraction. But see, here's the other side of that, too. If people work out, if people decide, OK, well, I can go to a gym and I can get myself in line, I can make myself healthy. Well, if you can look after your own health, 
you don't need the government to do it for you, do you? I mean, that's kind of where I'm looking at it. Do you see it a different way, Bruce? Well, one thing I, I, I want to address right off, um, just because it's a it's another one of those personal jihads that I haven't brought to light yet. Personal jihad. The idea of self-esteem. <laughs> it's a personal jihad. I, 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 I'm okay. going against... I, I think the, the term self-esteem or, or you, know, you know how society pushes self-esteem or your self-image or all those things. I, I think that's actually yes. really detrimental to a society. It is. It is. Because I, I think it, that's it becomes, really bad. It becomes a world of perception. And that's where we are. Everyone's based around yeah. image rather than what the substance of something is and rather, rather it's true or not. That's the problem. Right. Is everything's fake. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just against um, doing all getting getting bogged down by that. In, in society, it, it causes, ah, man, it's just, you, you just, you, you need to learn your own weaknesses and your own strengths and just run off of that. Don't worry about the emotion tied to it. Cause that's exactly what the left wants us to do is to be all emotionally driven and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that aside, as far as the gyms being opened and you know, all that stuff, they shouldn't have ever shut down in the first place. Uh, I get it. Gyms aren't the, the most hygienic places. However, we need to look after our own health and everything. And honestly, if you're exposed to those not so hygienic locations, it does help boost your immune system to a degree. The other benefits that you you have at gyms, I'm, I'm sure this is the case for, you know, uh, in a lot of gyms, they, they have personal trainers that you have access to in, in many cases or can hire. Even, even the staff will help, you know, walk you through how to use the machines properly. And that's, I mean, you need to know that, right? So it's a good, good way to, to kind of get into routine. So for someone that doesn't necessarily know how to um, use equipment and whatnot, it's good to have that gym open so that you can get that learning experience, you know, and exactly as you said, there's, there's a having other people around you to kind of help boost you, your, your, it, it does kind of, there, there is an energy there. And, and, you know, if you, you have anybody that you exercise with, you're able to kind of energize each other and, you know, uh, boost each other. Not really something I do personally. I, I quite enjoy my home gym and, you know, not being around people, but, you know, teach their own. Right. I think for the people that needed it, that uh, enjoy that, it needs to be open for them that, you know, there's different people are, are wired differently, right? Different personality types and everything. And, and some of those types need that kind of interaction. So uh, just for sanity's sake, it needs to be there. You know, there's also workarounds to this. I mean, you mentioned a couple of things there. One, you said, yes, they're unhygienic. That's true. But you can work on that, right? Companies can do that if they take the proper precautions. I mean, my place, for example, my goodness, there is, I mean, there, there's sanitizers and cleaners all over the place. And they actually put signs up all over the place. Please, when you're finished, if you wouldn't mind going over and getting some sanitizing spray and a towel and wiping all the stuff down. And that's what people do. They're respectful enough to do that. Now, am I saying that everybody's going to be responsible enough to do that? No, unfortunately not. But that's the way some people are. Uh, and so that's just one of the things. It's a risk. It's a risk just like mm -hmm. anything else. Also, yep. you could take other measures as well. You could limit a, no a certain number of people coming in, right? I mean, that's another way. You could implement social distancing by taping off machines or something, right? Every other machine or whatever it is. You can take precautions. You can reopen if it's that much of a big deal, right? I told you that my gym decided they were going to close every other locker. It's about the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but which they didn't even close them. It's as simple as taking steps, taking steps, but you have to be allowed to take those steps. 
And they're not even given the option. They're not even given the choice. So what are the companies supposed to do? What are the gym owners supposed to do? The only thing they can do is take the fight to the courts. But there's no guarantee you're going to win in the courts. That's the other problem with it. There's no guarantee you're going to win there. So I don't know. I I don't know. I don't have an answer. I think that it's one of those things where I really don't know of any other way to put it. You know, we're fighting some really, really bad people here when it comes to this. Uh, And these are people that are hell bent on ruling over people. And it's terrible. It's terrible. Would it be fair to sue the city for the equivalent of profit loss? So, for example, your your business was shut down for, say, uh, you know, the three months or four months. Right. And why not? Get together, you know, get a bunch of businesses together, sue the city, but don't sue the city for your profits loss. Sue the city for the amount of profit that they would have earned in the same amount of time. I mean, why not do it that way? Of course, you're probably not going to win, but nonetheless, I mean, how is it fair that the cities were able to rake in the money from taxes and all that kind of stuff and then tell businesses, now you can't be open? Well, Um, how about all you shut down? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. One, I, I don't think you'd win that case. That's the first thing. The second no, thing, wouldn't. yeah, the second thing, the city doesn't have any money. Yeah. The state doesn't have any money. They're asking for a federal bailout. They're going to have to cut, what is it, like 22,000 uh, city employees? Well, if the cities are vacant, what do you need the city employees for? If people yep. are leaving by the tens of thousands, if the businesses are closed, if they're boarded up, if your hotels are boarded up and filled full of bums, which they're putting them up in the Ritz-Carlton and they're making everybody across the U.S. pay for it. That's the worst part. Oh, yeah, I didn't know about that one, did you? So what do you need the city employees for? I think now's as good a time as any to start cutting the city government as bloated as it is. So I don't know. I don't know. You can sue. Yes, I I agree with you there. You can sue. And I agree with you on the principles that you said that you would sue on. But a couple of things. One, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't win the case. Two, there's no money to be had. And it would come from the taxpayer anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of... You're in a catch 22 any way you look at it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the thing is there's no, there is no money. Like, so I don't know. Honestly, why are you as a business, why are you even listening to the, the, the mayor and the governor at this point? At this point, I'd I'd just be like, no, I'm open to my business. You don't like it tough. Well, the owners of the Atlas gym in New Jersey across the river, they aren't taking it. You know, they're going to continue to stay open. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. They don't care what the governor yeah, has to say. What's, what's happened been, with them now? Uh, last I had heard, they had a, what was it called? They had a restraining order put on them for their business. So they're not supposed heard, to go around the business. Yeah, that I heard. And they boarded up uh-huh. the uh, the business and they changed the locks. So they went down there and they ripped the doors off the hinges and they kicked the, like they kicked the boards open that they had boarded uh-huh. up over their doors. And so they're not taking it. They're not taking it. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't. And to be honest with you... <laughs> I don't know. I know, I know that I know Trump's got a lot on his plate right now, but I mean, that's one story that's caught national attention is the Atlas Gym yeah. in uh, in Jersey. So why is it that he should step in? He should step in. He he should step in. Why is it that he's not? I'm I'm curious on that. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? I, like I said, I know he's got a lot on his plate, but they had their business license revoked as well. Well, to be honest with you, if I have gym equipment and I own a building and I want to charge people to come in, why do I need a business license? <laughs> You know, I'm I'm of the opinion the government has no authority, no right to come exactly. in and tell you exactly you can't function. Number one, number two, they can't come in and change the locks on my property. You you can't come in and board up my place. Who the hell do you think you are? And so no, I'm I'm that that really that 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 gets me uh just just a bit annoyed uh, having the government come in and do that. It, it's the same as the eminent dom- domain nonsense that they they do. 
Um, it's uh, it's to me, it's on the same level here. I thought you were going to go on a tirade. I was just going to step back and, and let you go <laughs> when you started. I, I you honestly, started saying, who the hell do no. you think you are? I thought you were going to come unglued. I thought, OK, here it comes. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm annoyed, but not that annoyed. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way sometimes. I mean, well, you know how I rant and rave around here. And it's just it's so disgusting to see people's businesses being torpedoed. I, I don't know any other way to put it. They're being wrecked by an authoritarian state. This is authoritarianism. Anyway, you slice it. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to call it. I don't. Do you know of another word that would fit? Because I haven't found one yet. Fascism. This fascism. This is what we fought the revolution against. This. Yeah. Yeah. Government's coming in, taxing you, fining you, restricting you from going places, shutting your business off. This is what authoritarianism is. You thought it was coming with with some kind of a military. They didn't do that. They sent people in lab coats. They didn't send blue helmets. We've got a governor up there. They haven't sent blue helmets in yet. Yet. Yeah, yet. But we've got a governor up there in New York on national television, on his knees, pretty much, he might as well be, begging the rich people to come back that his policies and de Blasio's policies have run out. See, they know what they're doing is causing those people to leave. They know that's what's happening. And the exodus is going to continue. It's going to continue. It's going to get even worse. Like I said, people are selling houses on Skype now. They're not even going to them physically. They're just saying, yep, I'll take it. We're going to be dealing with a mass influx into rural America. But here's the problem. This is another thing I worry about. Maybe we can talk about this for a minute, Bruce. This is the other problem. People in rural America, what's happened out there, what most people don't get, especially the ones that live in the city bubbles, what they don't understand is that rural America has been deindustrialized largely. So there's nowhere for these people to work. So what are, what are they supposed to do? The ones that are leaving the cities, the ones that cannot telecommute, what are they supposed to do? H- how are they supposed to earn a living when they get out there? There aren't going to be any jobs. So where do you think we go with that one? That's a good question. That that's a That's a good predicament because, I mean, I'm thinking about the part of the country where I come from, and people come to, let's say people have a large influx into an area where you've got, I don't know, uh, four to 6,000 people. There are no jobs. I mean, there's you know some in the service industry, but that's really largely all that's left. I talked about what, what happened when I went back to my home. That's why we started doing this podcast because of this crap that I was seeing. Coal fire plants shut down. Battery companies gone. Plastics companies gone. Coal companies out of business. So where are these people supposed to go to work? How are they supposed to earn money? What do you think? What What do you think is a, a viable solution to that? Because the people that have all that money that are coming from the cities, yes, they can sell everything they've got in a city for, I don't know, a couple of million dollars. And then you bring that to rural America. Yeah, you can buy yourself a nice house, give yourself a little bit of a cushion for a year or two, but then you're going to be out of cash, especially if there's inflation. So where do yeah. they go to work? Where do they go to work? So exactly, exactly as you said, you can, if you, okay, if you were to sell all your stuff, you got $2 million out of it. Move into rural America and this area, you can buy the equivalent or better than what you had in New York for, you know, 250000 Actually, it's it's honestly a $250,000 home here is like about 2,500 square feet, roughly. I mean, it's a pretty nice sized house, newer home, something like that in California or something would be worth multiple millions. But if you were to come from these large cities and move here, 250,000, you got your home, you can furnish it and everything, do any remodeling you need to do, 300,000. Rest of it, you can just live on, uh, live off of, depending on what kind of investments you have and any any kind of royalties or what, what have you. They may not need to work for quite a while, 
honestly. Now, if you if you factor in like things like inflation, for example, uh, it might be a good idea when you get here, you know, just get you whatever job you can find here, you know, something part time or whatever. So you have a little bit of extra income. And I I, I don't know. I mean, I, look, coming from a big city with a lot of money, technically, you could you could get by for quite a while without actually depending on how frugal you can be. You can get by for quite a while. But as far as jobs, what are you going to do? Uh, there's a few manufacturing jobs around here that are uh, in the the electronics, you know, making uh, like circuit boards and that, that kind of thing. I know of a few, yeah, but that's physical labor. Um, they don't want to do that. That's, yeah. That, that's, that's physical labor. Let's see. You've got, you know, the sales services, that kind of stuff. Not really much around here to do, uh, you know, unless you want to be like car dealer, real estate. I don't know. Maybe real estate would be a good thing to get into in rural America because you're going to start selling a lot of homes. I don't know. It's a good question because I often wonder that myself. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're going to leave the cities. You're going to come to rural America. Okay. We have an opportunity here. If we can all work together and we can rebuild and give people some opportunity and lift the whole place back up to where it should be, then we can fix that. But if they're unwilling to do that, if the people from the cities are unwilling to do that, if they're unwilling to adopt the way of rural America, if they're going to come out and advocate and vote for the same type of hell that they came from, well, then they're not going to be liked too well. So I don't know. I, I really don't know, because like I said, it's manual labor if they want a job and they don't have that kind of work ethic. I'm not saying all of them are like that. I'm not saying that at all, because some people in the cities, you do have that type of thing. But largely, there's not a whole lot for you to do. Bruce, we come from rural America. We know what to do with downtime, right? We, we know what to do with downtime. Yeah. They don't, right? They, yeah. they don't. Well, fair. Yeah. That, that's where you get the uh, the jokes about uh, hold my beer. Um, that usually comes from rural America. Well, there's, there's that. And uh, you know, the last thing you <laughs> say right before your funeral is, hey, y'all watch this. And yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, <laughs> that's really that's really about all that there is to do out there. But I mean, there's other things yeah. you can do like, hey, sure. let's have a barbecue. Of course, you know, yeah. get arrested in the city if you have a barbecue, you know, more than two people. Right. Well, you're in Los Angeles. You have a barbecue. You'll have your water and electricity shut off. Yeah. It's that's so, ridiculous, isn't it? Isn't it like that's there's a there's a term for that. It's called siege. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So, OK, keeping with the exodus, right? San Francisco. Right. Let's look at some of San Francisco's numbers. OK, so they're looking at five cities here. They're looking at Boston. They're looking at Los Angeles. They're looking at Miami, San Francisco, Seattle and Washington. OK, San Francisco, out of all of this, out of all those cities that I just named, San Francisco has the largest number of people leaving the city. They took the numbers from May 1st. Till July 12th. So they're saying that this is likely a um, combination of a few things. So it's not just one thing that I, that's actually causing this, which San Francisco, we've been talking about what's going on in San Francisco for a long time. The city has been in decay for quite some time anyway. This is just kind of the icing on the cake, right? This pandemic stuff. And especially with what they're doing out there, they're putting what? What's funny about that? Uh, you said icing on the cake, and I was thinking about San Fran being the poop capital of the United States. It is. Well, yeah, like, it is. It interesting, is. Interesting word. It is. Have you ever there. seen that anyway, map? You've yes. seen the map. We put the map I've up here I've seen the map, while. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yes, there is that. There was actually, I read a story one time. There was a guy, there was a bum that used to urinate on this utility pole every day, right? Same spot. And it became like the public place and it eventually ate through the utility pole and it crashed down onto a whole line of cars that were parked on the side of the street. It's not not a problem at all. You know, I mean, no. And I saw, I saw a guy that was walking down Lombard the other day. I saw a YouTube video of this and he's got like this five foot 
you know, like the fence post, you know, if you're putting a chain link fence up, you know, the fence posts. Uh-huh. Yeah. This dude is just like this bum. He's just walking down Lombard, right? And he's just got this thing slung over his shoulder, like Babe Ruth walking up to home plate. And the dude is just walking down through the line of cars and just swinging and just smashing out car windows. <laughs> Not even taking Ooh. anything. He's just smashing them out and going just, right to the next one. Just doing it. Wow. Yeah. Because there's it's a quality of life crime. Right. And the uh, the D.A. out there, uh, Bo- Bodine or whatever his name is, he's not going to prosecute. It's a quality of life crime. So we can't do it. But anyway, OK. Isn't it, so, isn't it like uh, isn't it like nine hundred dollars there or something like that? Nine hundred dollars. Yep, it's got to be nine hundred dollars valued at nine hundred dollars yeah. or more. And each time you smash out a window of a car, that's an individual crime. So yeah. they can't they can't combine them. So. Right. Right. Nine hundred dollars. Yeah, there's there's no crime there. Yeah. So, he, you know, just uh, walks down through there with impunity. I think Dallas has a similar thing now. Crazy. It's like $1,500. How in the world do you, like, how, how do you keep society together when you decriminalize crime? This is the result right here. This is a result of Soros purchased DAs. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Soros tried to do this at the federal level and he knew he couldn't get away with it. So he started buying up DAs at the local level and having them not prosecute these cases. And that's why we're seeing the lawlessness at the local level because of those types of people. So, Okay, there's a few things, right? Apart from the issues that we just talked about with San Francisco, among many other things, the drug use, the amount of bums that are in the streets, things of that nature. There's that. And then, of course, now they're putting the homeless in hotels at taxpayer expense. They're having their drugs and their alcohol delivered to them free of charge. So, I mean, it's it's just all these things. Now that you're looking at the astronomical cost of owning a home in San Francisco, in and of itself, unless, of course, you're someone like Speaker Pelosi, who doesn't live in San Francisco. You live in Pacific Heights. That's not even the district she represents. But anyway, so the astronomical cost of real estate out there, it's been like that for about the last 10 years or so. But there had to be a breaking point, And the virus was the breaking point. The, the coronavirus was the breaking point. Now you have companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, Silicon Valley, all that stuff. Okay, these companies are doing what? You don't have to go to an office anymore, so you don't have to live there. So all that money that's in Silicon Valley, you don't need to be there anymore. You can telecommute from wherever you want. Hell, you can live wherever you want anymore if you work online. Look what we do. We're spread out across half the damn globe when we do this podcast. So it doesn't matter any longer when you're telecommuting and you need to reach the amount of people you need to reach. It's a different world. So you can get by with this kind of stuff. But the amount of people that have left San Francisco, just specifically, just that city. I don't see an actual number, but they're saying percent wise, year on year, um, Zillow specifically, this is referencing uh, is the chart. Their inventory has risen 96%. Okay, and Zillow is the on- yes, time. I see that. Zillow is the online home sales place, right? The real estate place. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let me see who is this? who is this. Um, so a Zillow economist, uh, Josh Clark, he's actually he, he's making a statement on this. He says that remote work, all right, hasn't sparked the exodus by itself. Of course, I said it's a combination of things. He says, but when comparing the principal city to its surrounding suburbs, San Francisco Metro does break the mold. Higher levels of inventory up 96% year on year, as you said, following a flood of new listings during the pandemic are sitting on the market in the city, a significantly larger jump than the surrounding suburbs. Whereas in similar cities like Los Angeles, Miami, Boston, Seattle, Washington, D.C., declining or flat inventory is a consistent trend within and outside the city limits. People are leaving the cities. I mean, that's what it is. If you look at the chart that they have up here, yes, those numbers are about what he said. It's consistent or it's flat. 
So those numbers really haven't changed too much. Although Seattle numbers that we know of are up around 1,500%. Those are new home sale listings. Doesn't mean they're being sold, but the listings are there. People are selling their homes and leaving. That's Seattle. San Francisco, as you said, is up 96%. 96% year on year. That's huge. That's huge. And that's going to continue to go up as more people find other opportunities and move away and can move away. And see, this is why you have people like the California Assemblyman we talked about yesterday. He's coming out saying, oh, we're going to have to do something. See, Sacramento is scrambling. They're trying to figure out how to grab all that money before it all leaves. People are leaving California. That's going to be the other thing. They're going to have to make this like, <laughs> I'm just waiting for California to make this cash grab. And somehow that's um, that's how I think they're they're going to go about it is, is they're going to go after this type of thing like a wealth tax or something. I was just going to point out that uh, even in these other cities, Miami is the only one that has a consistent decrease in available properties. So, you know, in other words, there's fewer listings and more, you know, meaning they're not Typically, they're not leaving. But in these other ones, it did go down as far as available properties for a while, which probably, no, I don't know. I don't, I, I was going to say maybe that was when things were locking down, but it's not because this is May. Uh, so I don't really know what, why it would be going down at, at well, first. Anyway, nonetheless, they're, they're seeing rises. Wasn't Miami um, available? One of those, yeah, wasn't Miami one of the places we were seeing issues with as far as the police enforcing like mask mandates and stuff? Weren't we seeing a problem down there? As in the citizens were being like henpecked and and tormented by the cops. They were being stopped out in the middle of empty parking lots by police officers. Isn't that wasn't that Miami? I think it was Miami's. Yeah. It was Miami. They were they were issuing citations uh to people who weren't wearing masks or were improperly wearing them. Thought so. I thought so. So, I mean, it's just, it. look, you're going to have to pick and choose your battles in these cities. I don't know. The only thing I can say is if you're in a city right now, leave. I don't know where you're going to go. I really don't. But if you haven't figured out an exit strategy, you need to. You need to. Because the cities aren't going to get any better anytime soon. I, I can't see that. All right. Let's, uh, let's get off this. Let's get into some protest stuff, uh, shall we? Do you have any other points you want to make on it? No, not really. Just, uh, uh, I'm being as I'm from a small town anyway, I, I don't see why people want to live in a big city anyway, other than money. So <laughs> it's it's money. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Money and it's opportunity, because I can tell you, I mean, I, I grew up in a small town and there wasn't I mean, there's only so much you can do. Right. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. If there is no opportunity there. And like I said, deindustrialization. Right. All the factories mm-hmm. went away. All the factories, everything that our parents worked in, our grandparents worked in, that's gone. That's all gone. That's all been removed. And people are saying, I mean, bless them. You know, family members would say, oh, well, you need to go here. You need to go there. And I'm like, there's nothing there. Do you not get it? There, there's nothing there. You you can't. And yeah, it's just like they they just, you know, pe- people just don't understand. The, the older generation, you know, God love them. They just don't get it. It's not there. The opportunities are not there. It's been sold out. It's been deindustrialized. We've been sold a bill of goods. So there is no opportunity. So if you have no other opportunity, then you have to go where there is some kind of opportunity. And that's where it is. It's in the cities. If you want to make money, if you want to have things to do, I mean, and there's I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's stuff to do in the cities. You go out to rural America, there's nothing to do. In the cities, there's not enough time to do everything you need to do. Everything's faster pace. It's all hustle and bustle. 
you know, especially if you're working in some type of legal profession, you're in downtown, you're in courtrooms, you're in administrative buildings and everything all the time. And especially if you start traveling, then it becomes even more. But that's opportunity. That's where you go to have that opportunity. You can't do that from small town America. But it is nice to step away from that. It, it is nice to, to step away from the hustle and bustle, the travel and all that stuff, and to go back to wherever you came from and, and just relax for a little while. You know, that would be one of the biggest things, Bruce. I would be out. I'd be traveling. I'd be working. I'd be doing all kinds of stuff. But you know what I would do for vacation? I'd go home. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I that's what I would that. do. I'd go home. You know why? Because there was nothing to do. <laughs> that's why I went there. Because there was nothing to do. And people would say, well, you're, you're spending your vacation back here? And I'm like, yeah. They say, well, why is that? And then I explain to them and they say, you know, we kind of take all this stuff for granted, but we don't actually appreciate it. That's just it is you, you take it all for what it is when you live there. But when you're away from it, it's nice to go back and not have the sounds of the city, right? The city never sleeps. It's nice to have quiet. It's nice to have slow pace. It's nice to have, hell, the hometown diner. Never thought that would be so good to go in there where they have homemade pies every day. That was the stuff. So it is nice. Rural America is nice, but you have to be willing to understand that it's a different atmosphere. You have to be willing to, to grasp the concept that you don't behave the same way when you're there. You have to adapt. You have to adjust. And when you get back to the city, you go back to work. That's all there is to it. Moving along. All right, let's talk some riots. Now, Antifa, right? They decided they were going to show up at Sturgis and they got met with a little bit of a that didn't go well for them, did it? No. And honestly, we all we all seen it coming. We knew it wasn't going to go well. I, I, Why? I don't know what they Sturgis? were looking to do. Why would you I, go I, to Sturgis? Like, we kind of talked about this off recording and, and like Sturgis, like motorcyclists, right? They're bikers are very patriotic for the most part. I, I've not met bikers that aren't patriotic. So it's kind of like their Antifa is very un-American. Uh, you know, they're they're anarcho-communists. Uh, that, that's mm-hmm. that's what they've admitted to. So why, as a patriotic American, would you, you know, I don't know, act kindly to that kind of uh, mentality? But uh, well, you yeah. wouldn't. And they didn't. They, they certainly didn't. They showed up, Antifa. They showed up. They walked right down the street where the bike rally was happening. You've got 200,000 plus bikers down through there. No masks, no social distancing. I'm sorry. (laughs) There wasn't any of that. And there was audio and there was we can't play it. There's no way we can play that. So there was a lot of language. We just Yeah, yeah, we can't play it. If we could play it, it would just be just beep after beep after beep. Like you wouldn't be able to make any sense of it. But nonetheless, it was again what you were saying. What what were they trying to prove? What on earth were you trying to prove? You're an anti-American terrorist organization. That's what you are. DHS mm-hmm. has declared Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization, right? Yep. So you go to a bike rally, you walk up to 200,000 pissed off patriotic Americans. What did you think they were going to say hi to you, invite you over for a drink? Didn't happen. They'll just roll over like they do in the yeah, cities. Just, just roll over top of you. You know, the police, mm-hmm. and I have to credit the police here. I, I have to give credit to the police because the police kept that from getting out of control and they did a fantastic job at it. And the way that they handled that, what did they do? The police, they stepped in. The police actually held the mob of the bikers back because the bikers were ready to kill them. And the police even said, "Uh, you need to come with us or these people are going to tear you into a million pieces and you're going to die. So what happened? The police officers, they cuffed them up and they escorted them back down the road while you had the police officers 
other officers lined up trying to keep the crowd back as the crowd was marching down after them, chanting USA, (laughs) amongst other things. So, you know, I got to give I got to give credit to the police officers. I got to give credit to the bikers for showing restraint because that could have gone very badly. So, yes. I mean, you show up. I got to give Antifa credit for one thing, and that is you people have a set on you. If you go to a crowd like that and you chant this anti-American garbage that you're chanting in front of 200,000 people that hate your guts. I mean, I got to give you credit, but, um, you know, for, for standing up for what you believe in, I'll give you credit on that. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure they even believe in it. I'm not sure they even believe in it. I'm not sure what they believe in, if anything at all. But I have to give them credit for at least doing it because I can't say that. Well, I think anybody with some sense wouldn't have done that. Let's say you're having reverse the situation, right? Put 200,000 Antifa, which they don't have those numbers anyway. Put 200,000 Antifa at a rally in a town of 7,000 people. OK, if you do that and then you get 15 bikers that come walking up the road. They wouldn't do that. Bikers wouldn't, would they? Uh, depends on depends on the biker group. I don't think they you, would. You may see some. Well, unless you may see some. Unless they uh, rolled up in there with automatic weapons. I mean, <laughs> I could see that. But yeah, exa- yeah, that, yeah. That's my point exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little different story. Right. All right. Fine. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that. One. Fair enough. But again, you know, I I got to give them credit for at least uh, for at least doing it right. I mean, you got to you got to give them some kind of uh, some kind of uh, pat on the back here, or no. I, I find it difficult to pat anarcho-communists on the back and say, good <laughs> that's, job that's trying. Resp- just, that's the response I was looking for. Was uh, I being good Was I, I being mean, good when I was trying to sound serious when I was really being facetious? I mean, I was trying to pass it off as yeah, like being yeah, serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, I, I can't. I cannot fathom why other than they were looking for it to get violent and they were looking so they could have that narrative and say, see, look, these these uh, crazy, you know, right wing bikers are all, um, Uh you know, nationalist, fascist, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think, honestly, it could have been that it could have been some martyrs for the cause, if you will. And they Mm -hmm. were they were out there just to get the, um, you know, the, the crowd to just beat them down. Uh, and then that would have been it, which I mean, to be fair, like I said, the cops did the right thing by pulling him out of there because that would have ended yeah. very, very badly. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm glad that everyone walked away from that and no one got hurt. Right. I'm glad that that happened. But there was also some protests going on elsewhere around the country. I, I wouldn't exactly call Sturgis a uh, protest. I'd call that more of comedic relief at this point. But um, Kalamazoo, right? The Proud Boys showed up in Kalamazoo, didn't they? Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, protests on there. Yeah. Now, okay. So, did you read anything on it? Uh, I f- think I f- did. I post something for it. Yeah, I did. So, the Sun Papers kicked their teeth in, right? The, the Sun Papers kicked their teeth in. It made it. Yeah. Of course, they make it look like it's this big old street brawl, uh, and it's you know one side against the other, and uh, the right wing Proud Boys and a group of Antifa protesters. You notice they say right wing Proud Boys, but they don't say left wing uh-huh. Antifa. You notice they don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they well, don't mention you know, that at all, or or the fact that you know the the terrorist group Antifa. I mean, they don't they don't mention that either. The, yeah, they they failed to mention all of that. But I mean, I watched the video of some of these things. I, I watched some of these things, and to be honest with you, they were like the the Proud Boys. And I'm not taking sides here, okay? I'm not taking sides. All I'm doing is I'm telling you what I saw in the videos that I saw, okay? And these are videos that I watched of all sides that were from many different views on YouTube. That's all I did. That's all I did. I watched because people put up Kalamazoo protests. Here's what's going on in, in, uh, 
in Michigan, uh, Proud Boys and Antifa. Okay, fine. Usually when you get those two groups together, there's a brawl somewhere. Portland, for example. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought, all right, I'll watch it. And the Proud Boys, most of the videos that I saw were marching down the streets, not antagonizing anybody, not going after anyone in an offensive manner at all. And you would see Antifa running up on them on either side of the streets. And that's what their tactics are, aren't they? Right. That's what Antifa does. Mm -hmm. They are to go up there to antagonize there to strike someone in a certain manner in order to provoke a response. And they are to run away. So when they run away, this is what they were doing in Portland. This is what Andy No covered. They're not showing the context. And that's what the Sun Papers are doing here. They're not showing the context. They're missing the part of it. They're showing the fights, but they're not showing what leads up to those fights. That's the part they're leaving out. So when the cameras roll, they only roll after the fact. See, Antifa's trained to go into a group and antagonize. They're, they're trained to go in to incite. They're trained to go in to provoke and then run off. And then when they run off after they strike someone in a certain way, they have to strike them in a, in a specific manner. So it's not considered assault. So you see how they dance around that. When they strike the person or do whatever it is they're going to do to antagonize that, that person then goes after them because they're in a defensive posture at that point. And then what happens? Then the cameras go on. Once the cameras go on, then you see the narrative kick up. Oh, look, here's this group attacking uh, Antifa. Here's this group attacking these peaceful demonstrators, which is exactly what they did in Portland. They walked up to the federal officers. They assaulted them. They threw glass bottles at them. They threw ball bearings at them. They threw IEDs at them. They were blinding them with lasers. And what happened? What happened? After the officers would engage them to subdue them for assaulting the officer, what would happen? Oh, look, that this is what the media would report. Oh, look, the fascist state that, that the peaceful demonstrators are fighting against. This is Trump's fascist army that they're fighting. This is the occupying army that the peaceful demonstrators are fighting against. That's the narrative we see. They're doing the same thing here. Don't you just love it when the media... So when it's this pandemic first started... It's unbelievable. Go when ahead. This, it is. When, when this pandemic first started, we've seen the media hounding Trump saying, lock it down, do a federal lockdown, you know, issue a lockdown, uh, shut everything down federally. And they kept telling him to do all these things that are considered dictatorship, you know, the tyranny. Right. And they were saying and then when he wasn't doing it, they're like, oh, he's he's not doing anything to, to curb the, the spread and blah, 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 you know, and, and kept bashing him on this. And now when they start actually burning cities down to the ground, they are destroying people's lives, livelihoods. I mean, there's been how many murders now? What is it 19 or so uh, so far from these riots? Or it's probably more than that. And, but and then Trump sends in the Fed to protect federal buildings. And now mm -hmm. he's a fascist. The things That's you guys narrative. were calling for him to do is far more fascistic than what he's been doing now. He's trying to uphold the law. How is that fascistic? Yeah, but see, this is the trap they put him in. Yes. They come to him with the numbers, which we now know are all fake, right? The, the numbers. Mr. President, if we don't do this, then these are the casualties we're looking at, right? Fauci walked in, handed him those numbers and say, here's what it is. We're going to have four and a half million people dead, which that's what we're supposed to have right now, right? Four and a half million, roughly. Somewhere well, there. well, the initially in the, in the beginning, some of the um, simulations that we were toying around with, yeah, the same. entire populace, the entire populace of the U.S. is supposed to be dead right now, according to mm -hmm. some of those uh, simulations. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah take that for what it's uh, so, for what it's worth. So they show him the numbers. They show him the data. They show him the predictions. He reacts. And then when it doesn't pan out, then they trigger the riots. Those riots were coming one way or the other. They trigger the riots. Yes. 
And then once the riots are triggered, then they can control that narrative and call them all peaceful and all this stuff. All they needed was a spark. Those riots, they were coming whether that incident happened with George Floyd or not. They were coming either way. They're ahead. The riots aren't supposed to happen until about another month from now because they needed to trigger them as the election got closer. But Floyd gave them an opportunity to trigger that. And so they ran with it. And so now they can use that as, oh, well, if Trump hadn't locked down, then we wouldn't have had all that animosity and all these people coming out doing all this stuff. But they're placating on the fact that people don't have a memory. They're trying to make it look like, okay, well, he did all these things. He shouldn't have done those things. Wait a minute. You were the ones that called for that in the first place. So he did it. Mm -hmm. And do you remember in the beginning, Gavin Newsom, Governor Cuomo? Oh, Trump was doing everything right. They they couldn't believe. I mean, they were praising him. Do you remember that? Remember that? I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, the media don't want you to remember that. Oh, they really don't want you to remember that one at all. But, oh, yes. Yeah, Gavin Newsom. And do you remember how disgusted Joy Behar was on The View when Gavin Newsom said that? Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like you're praising the guy. Okay, all right. You're praising the guy. But then once the agenda shifts, then you go back on it and you show back up two, three weeks later and you bash the guy because let's face it. A lot of people out there, they don't have the greatest memory when it comes to a lot of this stuff. I mean, we go back and we play some of these clips from back in January. I mean, the media doesn't want you hearing that stuff. They don't want you hearing that stuff. So, yeah, it's the context of the agenda. It's how it's controlled from one side or the other. And the way that these protests and the way that these you know riots, if you want to call them that, it's a matter of context. It's a matter of how they're portraying it to you so they can control the agenda. See, if it doesn't fit their agenda, when it comes to the media, it doesn't matter what it is. If it doesn't fit the agenda, then you're not going to see it. It's that simple. There was a case, what was it the other day? The media just ignored it. What, what was it? We talked about it. Uh, was it the, the little boy? Uh, no, but that was another one. I know that I know what that case is. But mm-hmm. the, the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that the media just simply ignores the White House shooting. That's what it was. The White House shooting. The um, Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, that. So guy gets shot at the White House. Secret Service takes a guy down outside the White House. No one says anything about it. Media says nothing about it. Why? Because it doesn't fit the agenda. It doesn't fit the agenda. So they just don't show it to you. So unless they can control the context of what you're seeing, then you don't see it. But when you do see it, you have to be able to know the backstory of things. You have to know what goes on behind the curtains. So you can look at that information and say, you know what? I know that's bull. I know it is. And you can tell everyone else, hey, don't believe any of that nonsense. That's complete nonsense. Don't listen to that stuff. Think for yourself. Think for yourself. People have to think for themselves. We dig through this stuff every day. We dig through this, this, uh, this if you want to call it news, we dig through this garbage every day. And we can decipher it because we know what goes on behind the curtain. And you can know what goes on behind the curtain too. But we do our best here to try and sift through this information and present it to you so you can see what's going on behind the curtain with minimal effort. But we would still like for you to go and do do your own research. That's what it's all about. It's about you as the listener, wherever you are. It's about you thinking for yourself. It's not about what we tell you to do. That's not something I'd ever want to do. That's not who I am. That's not who my character is. That's not who Bruce is. We want people to think for themselves. It's individual thought that makes the person better, that makes the world better as a result. So we got to look through this stuff. 
We've got to be able to see past it. We've got to be able to form an individual thought and have our own opinions. So we are going to have to go. But um, thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. Fascinating conversation as always. Thank you to all the listeners. For those of you who have not, you'd like to give us a follow over on the platform of Parlor. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, please recommend us to friends and family. If you like what you're hearing, we would really appreciate that. We're trying to grow our audience as much as possible. And word of mouth and you loyal listeners help us do just that. So we would appreciate it if you'd recommend us to friends and family. We're available on just about every platform out there. Also, if you're rating podcasts, wherever you get us uh, and you're able to rate us, please do give us a rating. Five stars would be appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 